Hey now, and welcome to the Superpower Podcast. It's your girl and life coach, Dia Direct. And today we're doing a remix episode discussing self-care and hope for the holidays. My guest is psychotherapist Tori Dixon, who I love and who specializes in grief. Yeah. And in today's show, you'll learn to address the anxiety that you feel during this season, because I know we all feel something. (laughs) You'll learn how to acknowledge the mixed emotions you have about being with family. Sometimes it's awesome and sometimes not so much. You'll learn how to give yourself permission to grieve loss. Now that could be a job, friends, family, and also expectations. That's a big one because a lot of times we expect things to be a certain way. And when it doesn't turn out that way, we grieve, but we don't know that that's what we're doing or that's what we need. So give yourself permission to grieve that loss. You'll also learn to do what brings you joy and peace. And finally, you'll learn to be open to create new memories and traditions that serve you well. Yeah, things have changed, but you get to decide what now and next looks like. But you know what I want to do because, you know, we're in this very sensitive, beautiful, but sometimes challenging time during the holidays. So I want us to just together before we even get started, let's breathe in for four counts through our nose or mouth, whatever works for you. Hold it, four counts. Breathe out for four counts. And let's just do it one more time. And this time let's be intentional about what you wanna breathe in. Breathe in something that you really are hopeful for even during this time, which is Let's breathe in some peace. Let's hold on to that peace for four counts. And let's breathe out stress for four counts. Sometimes it's just good to change the rhythm and to set your atmosphere for what it is that you want, what you want to experience. You know, Tori, sometimes we focus so much on what we don't want Around the holidays, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to feel the loss. I don't want to be around this person. I don't want to have to spend a whole bunch of money. All the things and sometimes just shifting and thinking about what you do want and how it can be helps us. So as a therapist, when people are anxious, concerned around the holidays because of different kinds of loss, Can you help us kind of figure out what's the next first step to do once you identify that this is something that you're not feeling good about? Yeah, I'm so glad that you started out with identification because I think for many of us, the stress is the fact that we won't be honest, that we are struggling with our family units and our family structure. Like we don't even want to say it. We don't want to put it out there. We don't want to be disrespectful to big mama or our mamas. We don't want to be the one to um, cause stress or strain in the family. And so I deny the fact that maybe even being around my family during the holidays actually causes me more stress than Holly. 
right? And so I'm not really as happy because for reasons that you may understand, for reasons that you may not understand, it's just not comfortable for you to be around your family. And just simply acknowledging that sometimes takes the pressure off of your emotional self to masquerade. Showing up authentically in your own individual private spaces by being honest with yourself about the fact that family gatherings for you aren't the same anymore, that they don't bring up good memories. Acknowledging that, one, takes the weight off of you to try to, sh to show up even with your own self as something that you're not. Be honest with yourself, right? So I think the acknowledgement piece sometimes takes people so long to just simply say it. I don't enjoy hanging out with my family for the holidays. And do we have to? No, you don't. You don't have to hang out with them. There is no rule that says you have to be around your family for the holidays. It's all the judgment. But, you know, there's the judgment around this is what you're supposed to do. There's the mm -hmm. expectation that it's mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do. There's the reaction of what you're going to do or not do. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's not just loss. Sometimes it's just like, I won't be around y'all. Absolutely. And it's it's the it's the loss of connectivity. Right. It's the loss of well, when we were little or when I was younger, our family had this connection. But now as I've gotten older, that connection isn't there for me anymore. I don't see my family the same. I don't experience my family the same. And so it, for, for a myriad of reasons, I don't experience them the same way. And so I have to at least acknowledge that the euphoria that I once felt in my childhood for being apart and, and being with my family is just not there anymore. And it's okay. Now that is a loss. Whether we see it that way or not, it's still a loss. It's still something that requires you to grieve because what you once thought or once what you once experienced from your family, you no longer experience that. Your, your, your real experience in today and now is different. It may not necessarily be bad. It's just different, right? So different doesn't have to be bad. It just is different. And it may be now that I'm in a season of my life where I don't want to experience my family in that way anymore. And I have to be okay with that. You're going to be judged regardless. Either the judgment is going to be from an external factor or the judgment is going to be from an internal factor. So my question to you is, is how much is it costing you to create external peace, but then living with internal turmoil? Oh. What's the price of that? How much is it costing you to masquerade as though everything is all good? And then on the inside, you are mauling your emotional self. And you are ripping yourself apart because you're saying, I never should have done this. I knew this wasn't going to turn out well. Why did I put myself in this situation? Would you rather err on the side of creating a false external peace and live with an internal turmoil? Or do you find it more profitable for you to create an internal peace because you have to live with you every day and maybe disrupt? The, the the status quo of what your family is expecting of you so that you can live in peace. 
that speaks to the self-care and healing for the holidays. If it's a time to celebrate and enjoy and have holly, maybe even some folly, there's still the you part. Yeah. How does that work for you? Yeah. How are you living with yourself the other 363 days of the year? Is it worth you sacrificing a space of of peace? Is it worth you putting yourself on the sacrificial altar of false connectivity for two days out of the year when you have to actually live with yourself the other 363 days of the year? You weigh it out. You weigh the options, right? And so I say to people all the time that it could be due to loss of life. We, in the last two years, we've experienced so much loss. Um, I know my family, we lost six close people um, from family, from me, family and friends to COVID. And so the holidays are just completely different now for all of us. And I think it's time for us to acknowledge it and, and to remember that we don't have to create these false spaces that we ultimately can't live with the, the rest of the year. You know, Tori, one of the best gifts that you've given me just in talking to you has been the gift of learning and understanding what grief looks like. Not just the stages of grief, which, which of course I always like for you to cover, but also that you can grieve anything, you know, any sort of loss. And oftentimes things that we don't consider to be as heavy as let's say a COVID, um, it might be a friendship, things that still require. So I wanted you to kind of speak to that a little bit. And is there a way that we should grieve if we don't know that we're grieving, right? Let's say a friendship ended or a relationship ended. Somebody you were hoping to spend the holidays with, it was a new relationship and maybe you haven't been in a relationship for a long time. And this was finally going to be your holiday where you yeah. could have somebody that was to put your pajamas with. with, right? To put on your matching PJs with. The whole thing, you know, all yeah. the dreams that you know, we haven't yeah. figured out yet, this child. Yeah. How do you grieve something that hasn't even occurred, but that you were hoping for? So there are different types of grief. You know, you'll hear words like compounded grief. You'll have you'll hear words like extended grief. What you're talking about specifically is what we call anticipatory grief. Mm. And oftentimes people grieve things that hasn't happened yet. They grieve anticipated loss. They grieve losses that hasn't even occurred yet, but they're already in the process of grieving that thing. Um, oftentimes that tends to happen when we, like you said, you have this ideal, right? And because maybe you have been like, you know what? It's never happened for me. It hasn't happened for me. And here we are again in another holiday. And now I'm anticipating that I'm actually going to be grieving the loss of something that hasn't even happened yet or something that I haven't even lost yet. Anticipatory grief can be really, really difficult because in the moment, you don't have the actual thing. It's it, it seems inexplicable because in the moment, you don't have the actual thing to point to, but you're still going through this process. I talk a lot about anticipatory grief in my practice, particularly with people who are caring for the elderly or caring for an older parent or caring for an older relative, where they know that um, death is the inevitable because this person is sick or they've been sick for a long time. And it's like, how am I starting this grief process when mom, dad, or my loved one is still here? 
And I know that it's going to happen. I know that it's here and I'm anticipating this loss to happen. What do I do? And we typically go through the exact same process that we go through once the loss happens. Now, of course, once the loss happens, now you are actually going through a grief process. It's no longer anticipatory because the event that you had been anticipating actually has now has happened. So now we're grieving in a different space and now you're actually doing a different level of work. But those who are actually in a really good, healthy, professional setting, when you are going through anticipatory grief, it's really good to have the conversation because at the time you don't even recognize it as grief. You feel like, well, I'm just sad or um, I just feel bad about something. It's just been a little while. I feel depressed. Why am I feeling so angry? I feel angry all the time and I can't pinpoint where this anger is. It's because you are anticipating that a loss is going to occur. Around the holidays, this is um, extremely difficult, especially if you are already involved in a difficult relationship. Maybe you and your partner are talking about separating or divorcing, and this is going to be a holiday season where it's not going to be everybody together, and dad is going to be someplace else, or mom is going to be someplace else, or we're actually splitting the holidays this year. This is something that's going to be different. You may be feeling that anticipatory grief. How are we going to explain this to the kids? Whose house are we going to actually go to? We normally go to both of our family's house. And this year, I'm going to just drop the kids off at the driveway and I'm going to keep going. How do I explain that to them? You know, when they look around and I'm not opening gifts with them at Meemaw's house because me and daddy are not together no more. And I'm not going in there because I don't want anybody looking at me crazy. How do I explain that to our kids and knowing that they, too, will be grieving? So you're not the only one grieving. The children are grieving as well because now these holiday traditions are no longer a part of our tradition. So what what do we do? What do we do? I call it the year of the first. If this is your first year um, that you have experienced some major loss in your life, the year of the first is usually the most difficult because this is going to be the first time that your routine is going to be changed specifically because something has been lost. Right. So if it's a loss of a relationship, a loss of a job, a loss of life, a loss of comfort for whatever reason, a home foreclosure, a um, we now have to move. Maybe we had to sell some precious furniture. Maybe we had to maybe our car got repossessed because of the financial hardship. All of those things. If this is your first year of having experienced some level of loss, this is going to be the most difficult because you're having to make an adjustment for the very first time in your life. You're having to do something without either this person or without this marriage or without this job. It may have been a long time. You've been working for this company 20 years. They downsized. Now you no longer are working. If you are retired, right? I just retired. I have no sense of usefulness. What do I do with my life? This is the first holiday where I'm not at the company party. How am I supposed to make these adjustments? One, recognize that the loss is real and that the feelings that you have that's associated to the loss is actually valid. That's awesome. I do feel like sometimes just being able to call something something. Mm -hmm. What is that? Because I feel like just that validation. I think that's why sometimes having girlfriends or having people who just make you feel understood, just being able to talk about something, yeah. go to therapy, you know, those yeah. kinds of things. What yeah. does that do emotionally, scientifically? What is the acknowledgement that it's a thing? How does talking about it help us? When we call the thing a thing, when we actually make it real, it does exactly what you said. It validates the feeling. 
I think we find ourselves almost doing like an internal gaslighting because we're like, why do I feel this way? It wasn't that important. It wasn't that big of a deal. Now we are almost gaslighting our own selves. Well, if it wasn't that big of a deal. Define gaslighting for people who don't know. So so gaslighting is really when, when something occurs and you try to make it appear that it wasn't as bad as it really was. And so you're like, well, no, it wasn't that bad. Or no, that didn't happen that way. And so you're kind of playing these mind games with your own self. You're trying to trick your emotional self out of actually doing the work of emoting. I like to call it that way, right? So I'm going to tell you that something is not as important, even though it really is important, but I'm going to sweep it under the rug. And I'm like, nah, that wasn't important. I'm good. You know, you know how we do. I'm straight. You know, it's all good. No, it really ain't all good. Because if it was all good, you wouldn't be feeling bad, right? <laughs> so when we acknowledge that, yes, no, it wasn't all good. Yes, that actually hurt me. What it does is, is that it gives me space and it gives me reason to go ahead and emote. The reason that I feel so bad is because this thing actually mattered to me, because it actually hurt me. It gives you an opportunity to become one with your humanity. Your humanity hurts. Your humanity suffers. Your humanity is sad. It gets depressed. It's anxious. That's the human nature and the human part of yourself. But the moment you deny yourself of your own humanity, you end up suppressing feelings. You end up suppressing emotion and nothing, no emotional work gets done. And the thing that you thought you were actually sweeping under the rug, you didn't realize that the rug was actually covering dirt and you were actually planting a seed. And so here you are planting a seed, right? And now what sprouts up now is bitterness and anger and feelings of rejection and isolation and, and, and sadness. And, um, and it's, and it, and it just begins a cycle. It just begins a cycle that now I won't acknowledge anything that is hurting me. I won't be forthcoming with anything or anyone about how they have harmed me. And the more you deny it, the more emotional pain comes along with the denial. Denial never, never helps you in your emotional process, um, processing emotions. Denial is an enemy against against that, even though denial is like the first step of grieving. And it's one of those things where you're just like, oh, no, I can't believe that this is happening. And I always say that denial is the cushion between your reality of what's actually happening and the detriment of the emotion that is attached to it. So it gives you like a cushion. But you can't live in denial or as the old folks say, denial. You can't live there. You can't live in this space of denying yourself the uh, ability to connect an emotion to an event. It's something that you do temporarily. It's called shock. We can call it shock. We can call it numbness. We can call it denial. And it's necessary so that your emotional self can catch up with the reality of the devastating loss or the event that has taken place. So it's needed in the beginning of the process, but you can't stay there. You can't harbor there. You can't set up tip there. You actually have to move on to the next step so that your grief doesn't become extended or delayed or compounded. Mm. So I want you to take us through the steps of grief, but I wanted you to just stick a pin right there. To use your example, I was thinking about a mother who might be divorced and let's say the kids are with her, but she's mm-hmm. grieving the loss of the relationship. And that this is the first Christmas as an example, that they're not, you know, the same type of family. It's not the yeah. same dynamic, but what we do often is say, I don't have time to grieve because 
A, I got all this stuff to do. Life is happening. And B, I don't, I got to take care of these kids. I don't want my kids to see me going through this. So I can't, I I don't have time for that. Whether it's that example or another, we just keep going and we really deny ourselves the ability to grieve. Then when does healing actually even begin? Just kind of speak to, I ain't got time for that. I'm busy. Like I, I can't be depressed. Mm, the pandemic and us having to shut down. The one thing that it did, and I say this all the time, is that it took away our delectable distractions, right? The things, the DD, it took away the DD, right? The things that we used in our lives to distract us from the responsibility of maintaining a healthy emotional self, the pandemic stripped those things away. And so we found ourselves in a space having to deal with our own emotions and there was nothing to stop us from doing the work. So again, we saw a lot of people increases in anxiety. We saw an increase in depression, um, the feelings of loneliness because we had not stopped in our lives. And let me just say, the reason why I call them delectable is because we think when we think distractions, we always think that it's something bad, but Commuting to work and having that 30 minutes in the car with just you by yourself, um, going to the, just walking to the grocery store. Um, I'm not a grocery store shopping person. I hate it. But my mother finds some sort of cathargic therapeutic space, walking up and down the aisles, touching everything. That's not me. But when you are not able to do that, when you're not able to maybe hook up with the coworker and do happy hour, when you're not able to, you know, go to a friend's house and y'all just, you know, having a little kickback, we were stripped of all of that and it left us with ourselves and we became our own company. Whether there were kids in the house or a spouse in the house, you still had to deal with your emotional self. You still had to work through those things and we had to find time. And I say, listen, you have to find time to manage your own emotional wellness because denying that it doesn't mean that there's nothing happening. So we think that if we don't do any work on our emotional selves, then we're kind of at a standstill. And that's a no. If you don't do anything, then there is a regression in a lot of emotional spaces that you were once growing in. And so you can't just be an innocent or, or a bystander. Um, in your, you know, in the emotion, your emotional spaces in your life, you can't sit on the sidelines. You actually have to be a participant. You actually have to get hands on. And I say to that mother, to that person who's saying they don't have time. And I say, you can't afford not to have time. You can't afford not to. It's detrimental when you um, hold off on being emotionally responsible for yourself. You, You can't, you can't afford not to. So walk us through the stages of grief. So stage one is denial. I talked a little bit about that and that the denial is actually the need. It's the cushion between the shock, between the actual event and you are placing an emotion to that event. So denial helps you kind of to ease into the reality of what has happened to you. Then the next emo- the next stage is anger, right? There is this anger that comes and anger is a is not a primary emotion it's usually a secondary emotion because anger is usually our response to whatever the primary emotion is so if you find yourself angry a lot maybe check spaces like frustration maybe check spaces like um 
um, feeling safe, like loss of safety, because all of those things can kind of manifest itself in feelings of anger. And I say because anger is such an easy emotion to to emote, we don't have to think about it. It's it really, you know, almost second nature. I believe that that's why anger is that next step, because we have to feel some kind of emotion. That's the that's the bridge between the event and your emotional self is that anger. Then you go through this stage that we call bargaining. You start to bargain. Bargaining is like you bargain with God. You bargain with others. You'd be like, man, maybe if I would have done this, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. God, if I would have prayed more, then maybe I wouldn't have lost my marriage. Maybe I wouldn't have lost my mother. Maybe if I would have gave more, then my loss wouldn't have happened. Maybe I wouldn't have lost my house if I was more generous with it. Maybe if I had more guests, or if I had people to come over. I remember my auntie and her five kids wanted to come and live with me, and I said no. So maybe that's the reason why I lost my home in foreclosure. We start to bargain because what we need, the human experience is very, it's hard for humans to human without having answers. We don't like blank uh, sentences. We don't like to leave things empty. So we're trying to find an answer. And we usually do that through bargaining. Why is this happening? You bargain with yourself. Girl, what did you do? How did this happen? How did, if you would have called auntie, then maybe she wouldn't have passed away at home by herself. How do how am I bargaining trying to find the answers? Next stage is depression. And when we talk depression, um, this is not the same depression that you experience if you have a diagnosis of major depressive disorder. Major depressive right. disorder is usually a pervasive feeling of depression that cannot be attached to any one single event. So it's depression that is an emotional and psychological depressive state that has nothing really attached to it. It's just depression. So that's kind of how we define when you look at major depressive disorder. When you talk about depression with grief, the depression that you're feeling is specifically associated with the loss, is specifically associated with the thing. So I'm sad, I'm down, I can't eat, I can't sleep. I don't want to do anything that I used to do. I can't think. My mind is clouded. Um, I can't put two sentences together. I can't concentrate. And it's all due to the fact that I've experienced this significant loss. Then the last stage is called acceptance. And when we hear acceptance, oftentimes people say, well, you want me to accept and be good with the fact that I had this loss? And I say, no. Acceptance means that I now understand that I have to create a new life and slowly integrate this loss into my new, right? So now I have to have new traditions. Now I have to um, have a new way of thinking, of seeing, of believing, of living, not because I just want to be new. No, because now I have to find a new way to integrate this loss into my life. I will say that even though we give it to you in stages, there's five of them, it doesn't happen in stages, it happens in waves. So if you find yourself in the midst of grieving a loss and you feel like, man, one day I'm good and then the next day I can barely get out of bed. One day it's one day it's real that this thing happened and the next day I'm in back in denial. Well, I can't believe this. This is crazy. Don't be alarmed. You are actually going through a grief process and it is a healthy grief process, but it will come in waves. On the days when you feel good, I suggest you bottle up that good feeling because there is a day when you won't feel too good and you're going to need everything that you can in those low moments to remind you that you are in the process of integrating this loss into a new life. I love how you're in my head 
And so you even you answer questions even before I have to ask them. Um, and I appreciate that basically what you just did uh, is to give us permission um, not only to feel what we feel, but to also um, find moments of joy yeah. or, or happiness or, you know, because sometimes people will feel like, well, I shouldn't be doing this because of this loss. And so and then other people will judge you. Like your Absolutely. mother just died. How Absolutely. could you be going on vacation? How could you Let show you up another, house party? Yeah. You just you just lost your job. You just lost your house, and you about to you about to take a vacation. Like what? You know you about to be broke. How you how you going to Mexico? You broke. I thought you just lost your job. Like absolutely, give yourself permission to find find glimmers of hope in your grief process. Because the truth of the matter is, is that if you are in, if you are expecting to live any sort of life after your loss, you are going to have to have hope as the foundation of what's going to happen next for you. You're going to have to somehow believe that you can create a life, even in the midst of this loss, that will still be purposeful, that will still be meaningful, and that will still be full right? That this loss doesn't have to be a sentence of depletion for the rest of your life, that this loss happened. And that even in the midst of this, I'm still able to find moments where, yes. where God shines a light and reminds me of his presence, his, 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 his space in my, in my grief and the present and the gift that comes with mourning which he says there are blessings. So you have to have that if you're going to have any semblance of anything that can be good for you after this loss. There will be glory after this. There will be victory after this. Something great is still going to happen after this. This is not a life sentence of loss. This is a season. And season I got a check for you. I'm about to pay you. Listen, cash app sister. Listen, seasons come to go. You know, we don't, we're not in seasons forever. Seasons come to go. And even sometimes, you know, we live in Texas and it can be winter here and we'll grab a day of 80 degree weather and everybody is brunching outside. And then two days later, two seconds later, it can be 60 degrees. And I'm going to tell you that in the midst of your winter, when God gives you a sunny day, you need to go to brunch, put your glasses on, get your toes out, show your pedicure and enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment in your loss because there is going to be good after this. I don't know when the after this is. I wish I did. If I did, I would bottle it and sell it. But what I am certain of is that because God starts a work, he completes it. That's one. And secondly, if it's not good, it's not done. Well, Tori, how do you know that? Well, because Romans 8.28 told us that he causes all things to work together for our good for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose. So if good is not yet at the end of your equation, that means you got to keep going. That means you're at a plus or a minus. You may be at a minus sign right now. That's okay. The equal sign on the other side has good. So you have to keep going. So that's the, that's the thing. When it comes, you, you embrace it. Yes, things happen, but you have to make sure and remind yourself that there's going to be good after this. This is not the end for you. 
That is so good. Uh, my last question, you know, real quickly is how do you know if you're healed? Uh, I think healing is both an event and a process. So I'm going to say it again. Healing is both an event and it is a process. Huh. He, in terms of it being an event, I think we have moments where we can see, we can visualize, and we experience ourselves differently when we encounter the same situations, right? So back in the day, a person would have said something and you would have probably gone off or gone in. And this time you chose to not respond in that way. That is a way to express the healing in an event. But then you may be in a relationship and your partner says something and it triggers something in you. Well, now you know you are still in the middle of a process. So I tell people all the time to look at healing in terms of a process and celebrate the events. Celebrate oh. the moments in your healing journey where you can actually visually see, where you know that your life has been changed, that something is different about the way you've processed this, about the way you emoted here, about the way you responded here. Give yourself permission to acknowledge the event that, that says, this is how I know that healing is taking place. But give yourself grace to know that this is a process that continues until our very last breath, until the Lord calls us home. He says that th this is a healing process. This is something that happens on a daily basis. This is something that, you know, you may, you may see progress in one area and then you may see, you may think regression in the other. And in those moments when you're feeling that it's regression, I always say, no, 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 it's not regression because you're not starting from, from the beginning. You are starting from experience. So start from experience. Right. And then take that experience and let it push you into the next space of your healing journey. Don't get discouraged. Don't allow um, situations. Don't even allow time to discourage you from continue on on your journey. Um, sometimes time, you know, people say time heals all wounds and it does not. But time certainly does give you space to allow all wounds to heal. So use your time wisely. You have given us the gift of healing during this holiday season. And it was a real gem to, to hear you say it, because I know you're helping somebody right now with that, in that we judge our process, right? And, you know, when you have an event, as you put it, you think, oh, okay, I'm over it. I'm past that. Yep. And then a trigger happens. And... And so not only do you realize maybe I'm not healed, but then you judge it because you want it to be done and over with already. You know, we want it. We want it to be that perfect gift. We put it up in a bow and it's, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's done. It's together. Um, but you've given us permission to, to to process and to to be OK with that. There is a journey for you in this life and it doesn't have to look the way that you thought it had to look but stay on the journey. And, you know, as we close, I just want to say too, um, give yourself permission to have um, new traditions and new holidays and figure out new things to do that aren't traditional, or you can finally try something that you didn't, you know, my mom and I, um, we, uh, when we were both divorced, we would go to Vegas or try a new place to go 
travel to during the holidays because yeah. her birthday is also on Christmas. And we created new traditions yeah. because sometimes you outgrow your old traditions too. It just gets boring or corny or you just want to do something else. Um, and I, I think we, we should be allowed to figure out life on life's terms, but also to really define what holiday and happiness and peace um, and merriment look like for us and how it looks for you. It may not look like that for somebody else or yeah. how it looked before. It doesn't have to look like that now. Yeah. Can, um, I, can I just offer Dia, even with that, that's such an amazing thing, but um, to offer that we offer each other compassion in this season that we offer mm. each other empathy in this season, that we mm. offer each other grace in this season, that we uh, stop asking people to earn grace and earn love from us because we all just need it just because in our maybe broken and sad and disappointed spaces, we need grace. We need love. We need acceptance. Um, the holiday seasons are not always happy for everyone. Give people permission to not be okay during the holiday season. Um, and you may not be able to, you're not going to be able to fix it for them. But I promise you that if you leave space for them to just be, people in this season just want to be seen. They just want to be able to see them. If I'm, if I'm not okay, see that. If I'm okay, see that. Don't expect me to fit into the box of what you think I should be during this time or how you think I should act. Even if I have experienced the loss and you find me happy, and you find me giggling if i got divorced and you find me on a date don't be like girl it's only been three weeks okay well the papers are signed the ink is dry i can move on let me live give people spaces to live and to love and to be let's be compassionate um throughout throughout this season please be compassionate people we are still going through quite a bit and so be compassionate um, and remember that there is great after loss. Um, you don't, it doesn't have to be forever. It doesn't have to hurt the same way forever. You can find good even, even in, in the midst of your grief. For if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? You can get in touch with me on Instagram at when Tori talks. You can get in touch with me via my business website. That is gracefuljourneycounseling.com. You can always shoot me an email, info at gracefuljourneycounseling.com. We love it when Tori talks. Yeah, I know I love it when Tori talks to me. Yes. Um, I want to thank y'all for joining me here on the Superpower Podcast, where women of power and women with powerful stories testify. We've all got one. I appreciate you sharing your expertise and your heart intellectually, professionally, and spiritually as you always do. You are a delight. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you too, girl. Listen, download this podcast, share it with your friends, comment on iTunes. You can find me at D-E-Y-A direct. And of course, um, on Instagram, uh, super her, right? Because you're super powerful. Right, I believe in you. I believe in us. And we're all in this journey together. Keep your head up. Happy holidays. More grace, more love, more healing. We can do this together. Thank you, Tori. Thank you, dear. Mwah!
That was good, right y'all? So be sure to share this episode and please subscribe to this show so that you can get notifications on all the new episodes. Also, please sign up for my newsletter at diadirect.net. That's D-E-Y-A direct.net. And you can follow me at D-E-Y-A direct on all social media platforms so that you can get the updates on events and my much anticipated new book that will be addressing self-care in the workplace. Now, y'all know we need that. Until then, remember, you have the ability to make your pain pay you back by learning and leveraging your lessons. If it happened to you, might as well get some interest out of it. This is your girl, Dia Direct, on the Super Power Her Podcast.